Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Welcome to Ignite Conference. Um, this is such a very special moment. Um, a conference like this, to be fair and to be honest, I'll show you when we read the scriptures, this should be the norm of every time we gather. But what I'm doing with this conference is to prepare you, to train you for what's to come. See, when, when we plan church in November, you will flow. There will be an abundance of the Spirit. Do you realize that what was happening in Corinthians, um, the church in Corinth, was that these guys, it was not that they were not speaking in tongues or they were not prophesying. The problem is that they had too much of it. And Paul said, you guys calm down, literally. I think he co-wrote it with Rema. With the Rema that, you know, he had the Rema from the word and he told them, calm down, guys. You get? I'm joking. No, no. See, a lot of them were like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Deep. Um, <laughs> he told them, calm down, guys. I know you, you prosper in utterance gifts. I know there are tongues, there are prophecies. But calm down. There's a way to do it. And my, I'd rather have a church that overdoes than does not even try at all. Praise the name of Jesus. Some of you have never spoken in tongues before in your life. You've never prophesied. You've never healed someone with these hands. Well, today is your day. Amen. So I'm going to act like a coach for you today. I'm going to just show you how to do this thing. Everyone, it's God's will that everyone learns to flow the gifts of the Spirit and the charismatic. I want to start with this. There are three places where we have warnings in the Bible when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Three major warnings that we have in scriptures when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And I find that that helps us even know that, look, the Holy Spirit is not just some force. He's a person. The first one is this. In, in Matthew 12, 31, I'm not going to go into it too much, but literally Jesus our Lord is speaking there and he says, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Right? You've, you've heard about that scripture before, right? It's also in Mark 3, I think, 28, where he said, look, don't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Every other sin you commit is fine, but against the Holy Spirit, don't try it. And of course, in the context, it was when they, Jesus had healed someone of a demonic spirit, and they started to attribute his works to the devil. So they knew this was a man from God, but intentionally, consciously swayed the people to believe he was the prince of demons, right? So it's direct, willful unbelief in the power of God, all right? And none of us <laughs> fit that description, amen. amen? If you believe, you are saved. I don't believe. The Bible says in Romans, um, in 1 Corinthians 12, anyone who speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ um, is, is from the Lord. Do you understand? And we can't speak against him. But let me show you the second one. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Open your Bibles. This is one of the shortest verses ever. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Wow, that was quick. Thank you. What does it say? I can't hear you guys. Quench not the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. It's an instruction, he says. And literally, this means you can quench the Spirit, right? It means there's a possibility 
of quenching the spirit. How does it happen? It is when, and maybe you've been in my shoes. I've experienced this a lot. <laughs> maybe you've been in my shoes where the Lord tells you to do something. You know it's the Lord. And this thing he's telling you to do is bringing you out of your comfort zone. You are shy. You're an introvert. You like your space. You like to be indoors. And he's telling you, go and talk to that person. And you say, Lord, ah, well, you know, I have this meeting. You know how we say we have meetings just to feel important. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have this meeting by like five, you know, and I'm very important in my office. I need to be there. And you procrastinate or you don't even do it at all. And then the Holy Spirit tries again. Okay, what about that person? Now you're free, Abby. I know your calendar. <laughs> Talk to that person. And you're like, hmm, but what do I say? I don't, maybe I need to prepare. Let me go to church some more. Let me, I don't know enough. Or maybe it's in that moment, in the heat of temptation, and you know the Spirit is beckoning you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Lord, help me. Don't do it. I'm helping you. Lord, help me. This, I will do this thing. No, don't do it. And you do it. You quench the Spirit. And the way the Spirit works is that the more you obey Him, the easier it is for you to hear Him. The more you just say yes, it changes everything. It might be difficult, it might be hard, but yes. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about the very, one of the very first times that I gave a word of knowledge to someone. The word of knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. And what it means is it's a gift where... Without being informed, you know supernaturally some things about someone or a, a situation. You understand what I'm saying? Some people call it word of K. Some people call it walk. Gen Zers, you know. Um, but yeah. So the very first time, I can't forget. Oh, not the very first time. I'm sure something like that happened. I think the very first time was in school and there was a porter. Oh, man, I just remembered. There was a porter. We, lived, we stayed in the halls. I just went to greet him. He said, Kenneth, how are you? He said, good afternoon, sir. How are you, sir? How's your family? How are your kids? Have you talked to your kids today, sir? I was just asking him like that. I don't know where he came from. I said, have you talked to your kids? You have two daughters, right? And he said, ah, did I tell you I had two daughters? I said, no, no, but have you, have you spoken to them today, sir? Sir, can you speak to them today, sir? And then he called and then found out one of his kids was in school and someone at that moment was already trying to kidnap the daughter. I, I, this morning I was praying and I just remembered that incident. The man told me later that someone came who he never knew, said he, his father sent him to pick her up. And because he called in that moment, her life was saved. And I didn't even know what was happening. I didn't even know I did it. <laughs> the second time where I knew I did it was there was a lady in the corridor one time. She was just sitting down. And she was looking okay. She was smiling. And so I just went to meet her. And I knew the Lord was saying, go and talk to her. But I was like, Lord, I'm shy. I don't think so. Like, she looks like she's having a private time. Let's let, let her, she's praying, she's probably even praying to you. Let her be. And I said, okay, let's do this. So I went to meet her. I didn't know what to say. I just knew the Lord wanted me to talk to her. And I didn't know what to say. I was still blank. Me looking at this person, imagine this is her. I'm like, hi, my name is Kendall. What's your name? And she told me, I was like, okay, hi. Um, hope you're good. You're good? Okay. Um, what course? <laughs> like all those weird conversations. Um, how old are you? Oh, no, no, no. You don't do that to ladies. I think I asked that though. And then as we were just talking, I said, can I just pray with you? Maybe, perhaps, it will happen. And then we started to pray. 
And before I knew it, I started to pray particularly for her family and for her parents. And then this lady starts to break down in tears. And I'm like, what just happened? What just happened? And it was my yes that started that flow. If you read the story of Samuel, when he was called three times, you know the story, right? Samuel! <laughs> I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sounded like an ordinary voice. What is it you called me? I was, I was doing my devotion. Why are you disturbing me, sir? And then he says, I, I didn't call you. Go back. Go back. Maybe it's a dream. Second time, somewhere. That's, that's how it happened. You can't quote me anywhere. And then he ran. And then he said, you called me, I'm sure. I know your voice. He said, no, no, no. Go back. I didn't call you. This guy. Last time, somewhere. And he ran. Ah. Are you playing a prank on me or something? I, I am so sure it's you. And then this man who had some experience said, hmm, this sounds familiar. The Lord is calling you. The next time he speaks, what do you do? Respond. And say, here I am, Lord, your servant hears. And he went back. This guy who was called several times, nothing else except his name, now responded to the voice, Samuel, yes, sir! <laughs> Here I am, your servant. I'm listening. And the Lord just starts to download all that would happen with Eli and his children and what's to come. Because when you respond, that's when the flow happens. That's how it is. That's how it is. I'll explain how this works later. But I'm saying it is possible to quench the spirit. And the instruction is do not quench the spirit. Can you say, I, I. will not quench the spirit. From here on out, the Lord has my yes. Praise the name of Jesus. The third one that we have as an instruction when it comes to the Holy Spirit is Ephesians 4, verse 30. Many of us have read, have, we've read the scripture countless times. We did not know what it meant. All right, that's it, right? You know the scripture. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto what? The day of redemption. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? What, does it, what do you do to grieve the Holy Spirit? I know many times we'll say, oh, it's when you're given to temptation, or maybe you said something, and, and all of that. The context of this, when you read the scriptures, I'll just read it quickly to you. I'll read from verse 29. All right? Let's read it together. I want you to see what it means. I'm getting somewhere. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Next verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Next verse. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Right? Verse 32. And be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Who is he speaking to? Believers in Ephesus, right? He's not talking about just outsiders. He says, look, when you are together, you need to put away these things, the anger, the wrath, the works of the flesh, away from you. But do this instead. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. And that's how you do not grieve the Spirit. How do you grieve the Spirit? When the works of the flesh thrive in a gathering. Do you understand? 
So when we gather together and we do not achieve the purpose for gathering, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Are you with me? When we don't exercise the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Does that make sense? So I, I want to introduce you to the, the sacredness of a meeting like this. When we gather, there, there is a consciousness to have. Oh, this sounds better. Okay. There's a consciousness to have when we gather. When we come together where two or three or four or five come together in a place to worship, God is here. He's present with us. But there's a sacredness to carry that, look, when I come here, I'm not just some new member. Some of you, it's your first time. Please don't run away after, after this conference. I want to give you a warm hug and celebrate you. But look, you might be, it might be your first time. It might be that you've not been here in a while. Whatever the case is, there are no backbenchers or seat warmers in church. The way God ordained meetings like this to happen is that everyone can participate. Are you with me? That everyone can contribute something. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Hebrews 10 verse 24. Let's read that quickly. Because when we gather here, it's, it's a conglomeration of temples. That's what it is. It is temples coming together to be a dwelling place for the Lord. Hebrews 10 verse 24. I'm getting somewhere. I want to just lay this as a foundation. So he's instructing them. These guys, he's saying, look, as much as the end is approaching, this is what I want you to do. Let us consider one another to do what? Can you shout? Come on, guys. Shout it at me. To do what? Next verse. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as the day is approaching. He's saying, look, your committedness in the gathering of believers should increase even more as the day of the Lord is approaching. Some of you say, ah, but I go to church as much. I even went to church five times last week. You can go again. The more the day of the Lord is approaching, the more you should be found in the company of believers. Do you know why we call what we do on Sundays a service? Sunday service. Do you know why? It's in the word service. What happens if you drive a car for too long and you don't service it? It will break down. It will not perform. That's, I believe, I don't know who invented the word service, but I believe that's the purpose. When we come together, we are made stronger. You had a bad week last week. This is the time to be better. You've had a slow part in your devotion. It's been slow. It's been draggy. It's been boring. It's been tedious. It's time to delight in it. It's time to love your devotional time. And maybe you just wanted to know what next in my life and many of us are in that phase. What next? What next? Is it school? Is it to travel? Is it a business? What next in my career? What do I do with my life? This is where it happens. This is where people are shaped. This is where God makes men and women. Are you with me? Say, I will not forsake the assembly of the believers in Jesus' name. Let me show you something. I want to show you a picture of something that happened in the Old Testament. You will love it. Oh, my goodness. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Thank you, Spirit of God. 
someone that has an application. Uh, you applied for something recently. It has not come through. I speak favor over that application now in the name of Jesus. If truly the Lord just told me that in the name of Jesus, you will see it approved in Jesus' name. Are we there? Second Corinthians, uh, Second Chronicles 5 verse 14. Something happened in the Old Testament. Beautiful stuff. And I want to show you, like, how can you talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament like this? I'm going to show you. So this is what happened. The Ark of the Covenant was brought into the temple. And this is, Solomon was involved in all of this. And so the priests, uh, no, sorry, we need to go back a bit to verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. I beg your pardon. Aha, there we go. And also the Levites, which were the priesthood, right? Which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar. By the way, in the New Covenant, the Bible says we are royal what? Glory to God. You're going to see what it means. Stood at the east end of the altar, and with them, 120 priests. That number is so specific. I'm not one for numeracy in Scripture to say every word is symbolic. If it is five, it's grace. Seven, perfection. I'm not that kind of person. But I find it interesting that there were 120 people in this room praising the Lord. I'll show you what that is. Next verse. Verse 13. It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Now, this doing it in one means you, you might be singing one thing, singing another thing, but our hearts are aligned together. We are joined. We are, we are people of the same faith and same belief. And we raise a sound to the Lord. Heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals. And I believe that musical instruments are important. I've heard people say, we don't need instruments. It's, it's a distraction. You are important, guys. Amen. <laughs> You're very important. Look at the trumpets, cymbals, instruments of music. And praise the Lord, saying, for what? For he is good and his mercy is forever. Come on, let's go. You are good and your mercy is forever. Hallelujah. Stop. All right. So, <laughs> for he is good. I will get carried away, I know. For he is good and for his mercy endured forever. And then what? This was all they sang, guys. This is all they sang. And what happened? The house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Look at what happened in the next verse. So that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. Hey, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. I can't help but shake this being a picture of what happened in the upper room. 120 disciples in the upper room. Praising the Lord, praying, waiting for the outpouring of the Spirit. And in that moment, all of them filled with the Holy Ghost. Like cloven tongues of fire. Powerful stuff. And now, he's saying the temple then was a physical location. It was a building. Where is God's temple now? Ha <laughs> ha. Hey, God. The Lord says that we are his temple. We are his temple. So what happens, ah, 
Ephesians 5, let me show you. Ephesians 5.18, to make sense. Ephesians 5.18, let's go quickly. All right, we're going to read till verse 20. Look at this. Be not drunk with wine, wherein in is excess, right? But do what? Be filled with the Spirit. And the next verse says this. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what they were doing in that temple. You are good and your mercies endure. Just thanksgiving. And what happened? They were filled with the Spirit. He literally told you how to be filled. Ministering to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, edifying things. And then you are filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. That's going to happen today. It's not a prayer. <laughs> it's going to happen. Glory to God. So let me tell you about believers' meetings. All right? First of all, I'll say this. When we, when we meet like this, the outcome of every meeting is literally in your hands. Because we will do our job. We will prepare in prayer. We will plan. We will set all of this up. But the outcome of every meeting when we gather, it's on you. Say it's on me. <laughs> it's on you. It's, it's your responsibility. How is it that you have 50 people in a class taught the same syllabus, if they are even taught. Some of you know what I mean. What I mean. But they try to teach. <laughs> and teach 50 people, and in the same class taught the same things, there's different outcomes. I do believe that your participation and the input you put in every meeting, look, it's on you. It's dependent on you. Someone can come here and say, let me just see what it's all about. Let me just check. Let me just, let me just do it because Pastor Ken will call me and say, why did I not see you? Let me just shout, do it. But some of you are hungry. Some of you are ready. Not just to receive, but to supply. That makes all the difference. That's all that makes the difference. Some of you will come to meetings, powerful meetings, where people are delivered, where graces are enhanced, and you remain the same. It's not God's fault. <laughs> it's not. But meetings like this were designed to make you better. Say, Ignite Conference was designed to make me better. When we gather, God makes men. God makes ministers. He makes women. He does that. He forms you. Gives you enablement. Gives you the... Let me show you examples. I will show you three meetings that happened in the New Testament. Meetings like this. And I'll show you what meetings do, what to expect in a meeting like this. Acts chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4. I want to show you the meeting that happened in Jerusalem in the upper room. Let's go there. Sorry, Acts chapter 2, I beg your pardon. From verse 1 to 4. Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Are you there? All right. Verse 1 to 2. Okay. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Right? And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, 
and he sat upon each of them. And they were all, all of them, filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, let me just put it this way. When you come to a meeting like this, expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a given. And it's not, there's a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is God's responsibility. When you believed, he gives you his spirit. Simple. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is now a responsibility of yours. Do you hear what I said? The deposit of the Spirit in you is God's responsibility. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is yours. They were waiting, they were praying, and then they were filled. Ephesians 5, 8 tells us, don't be drunk, but be filled. How? Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It's your responsibility. So when you come to a meeting like this, expect to be full of the Holy Spirit. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, oh, oh my goodness. You see, Peter, the Bible says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, speak with boldness. Ha. Oh, glory to God. But what also happens is that gifts flow when we gather. If you think about it, the way the gifts of the Spirit work, it's not magic. It's a supply to a need. That's how it works. If I am by myself in my room and I'm praying and there's no need for a healing, I'm okay, I'm well. Would the gift of healing be needed? No. But maybe, and this is how the body of Christ works. The Bible tells us this, that we are many members, but what? One body. First Corinthians 12 tells us that, right? Many parts and different parts, to say the least. You have the eyes, what are used for what? Seeing. You have the nose used for? You have the leg used for? Except your mercy is for something else, right? Right? But whatever it is, you have these different parts with different functions. But he says, how can the eyes say that I don't need the legs? I don't need you. Get away. You will see what you want, but you will never get there because you can't walk. You see food, and some of you, you, you know when you had that flu or COVID, you are seeing the food, but you cannot smell it. Oh, that's terrible. Like, what's the point, right? Or you can't even taste it. He's saying, look, you are different members, different functions, but you need one another. So, I'll show you this in the next, in the next example. So you can be in a place where you are stuck in your life. And all the while, yes, I trust, God to, I trust God to give you direction, to speak to you, to lead you. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, Romans 8, 14, right? I believe with all my heart. I do. But when you try to live your life with just this isolated devotion, you are saying to, to the leg, I don't need you. You are saying to the hand, I don't need you. As the eyes, I'm all good by myself. God designed the body to be self, to not be self-dependent, but to be interdependent. <laughs> to be interdependent on each other. There are so, and I'm not saying this as a curse. <laughs> there are some of you who will never get the right direction in your life unless you come to a meeting. Sounds harsh. There are some of you that will never understand anything in scriptures unless you are taught. And even as a Bible teacher, there are things the Bible teacher will never understand unless he's taught. 
That's how the body of Christ works. <laughs> Are you following? So something happened. Paul and Barnabas, they've been doing this work, going to synagogue, to synagogue, preaching, preaching. And then Paul got to a point like, Lord, I feel there's more. I feel there's more. There's so much resistance. I know that's expected, but I feel there's more. What do we do? Acts chapter 13. Let's go there. Acts chapter 13. Look at this. Are you with me? I want everyone to pay attention here. Every single person. This is so important. And the, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain what? Prophets and teachers, right? Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, right? Manaean, and then Saul, five of them in this place. They knew, so, so God wanted to do something new. Like, I, I feel stuck in this point of my life, in this ministry, there's more. And how do I get direction? I gather with the, with the saints. Think about that. So what happened next? Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, which is Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. How do you think this happened? Was it like we're praying here? Oh Lord, do a new thing in the name of Jesus. Silence, silence, silence. Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul. Separate, separate unto me, me, me. Tell them where, 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 where. I'll go, tell, 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 tell. No. There were prophets in their midst. I truly believe the Lord did speak, but through the prophets. Are you with me? I said, guys, wait. Two of you, Paul, Barnabas, you guys, there's something. The Lord wants you to do something for him. And maybe that reaffirmed what they've been feeling all this while. Ah, okay. What is it? Verse 3. What is the work God called them to? Verse 3. Nothing. <laughs> Just that there's a work. And it says, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Look at that. Verse 4. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. See, I'm going to explain something here. First of all, how were they sent forth by the Spirit? How? Two ways. By prophecy and laying on of hands. They were commissioned for this task by prophecy. The Lord wants you to do a work, and so by the ministry of laying on of hands, we send you forth with grace to do this work. Have I lost you so far? No. Now, these are people who wanted direction, but the word, the word of the Lord was just go. Go ahead. Just go. There's something I want you to do. It's almost like the Abrahamic situation. Come out from your father's house. And I'm going to do a teaching. I've, I've done this before, but I will do a new teaching on the leading of God. Oh, you will be blessed. And you will see the leading of God happen in your life. Very well, of course. I, I can humbly say that God leads me and I follow. And I want that for everyone. Look at this. Look at what was happening. He said, separate them for the work that I will call them to. There were no details. Leave your father and your mother's house to a land I will show you. When? I don't know. Just keep going. <laughs> no GPS. No Google Maps. Just go. And see what happened. Where did they go to? Verse 4. Go back to that place. Yes. Look at this. They went to where? Cyprus. If you read Acts chapter 4, I believe, yes. Acts chapter 4, towards the end, 
it introduces this guy called Barnabas, who's also known as Jose, his partner. That's when he joined the church. He had, was very wealthy. He had land. He sold it all. But guess where his country was? Cyprus. So he said, okay, God is calling us. Let's just go to where we know. <laughs> so let's go to my hometown. Let's do something. And that's all God needs. Your yes, do not quench the spirit. Do you see that? He says, go, go. And it was only until verse 46, he had preached the gospel from place to place, and the Jews resisted him more and more. They were against him, against him. But he noticed something was different about the Gentiles. Look at verse 46. 46, 46, 46. Acts 13, 46. Aha, I knew I wasn't wrong. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold, look at that, and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Look at the next verse. <laughs> oh my goodness. For so had the Lord commanded us. Where did it? Look at that. I have, and this is a quotation from the Old Testament. I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. So the prophecy that was of old now became clear that this is the work God had called us to do as we went. Are you following? Many of you, the words you will get, and don't think it's strange, as you pray together, some of the words you will get from a fellow believer is, go, stay. Do, speak to, invest in. And you won't, in my experience anyways, it might be different. You never really have the full picture. And that's how God gets you to trust him. That not just from the, from the word to go, but that the journey as well, you trust him along it. Are you with me? Oh, beautiful stuff. So when you gather in a meeting like this, expect some direction in your life. You are in, let's be honest, you are in a place, I don't know if I should call it midlife crisis, I like to call it quarter life. Yeah. You are in a place where you are deciding things that will change the trajectory or determine the trajectory of your life. Some of you will make, by the grace of God, the wisest decisions for, your, for yourself at this time, in Jesus' name. But there are also people who have made mistakes, and maybe that's you. Let God align you in this meeting. Let him give you some clarity of what is next. Are you with me? For some of you, it might be detailed, and I love those ones. God knows. I love it when he says, go to this place at this time, at this, you know, this period, and it's very specific. God can do that. But OG Paulo and Barnabas, what did he tell him? Just go. Come and be going. That was all he said. And that's enough. Are you with me? So when you gather, expect what? Direction and clarity. Amen. Glory to God. For some of you, it's to call someone. For some of you, it's to visit that relative. Do something. Just do it. Don't quench the spirit. Amen. And then the last meeting happened here. Acts chapter 4. Oh, glory to God. Oh, I am so short on time. I will speed up. Why does this always happen to me? Do I talk too much? 
Acts chapter 4 from verse 24. Pastor Chisholm, we are laughing. Eh? It's the joy of the Holy Ghost. Ah, okay. Acts 4 verse 24. And when they heard that they... Sorry, and when they heard, right, background, Peter and John were persecuted. They had healed this man. They were arrested for causing chaos, but they had to release them because people were thanking God for this guy. This one was in his 40s. He could walk for the very first time, and they just had to let them go. So when they came back, this is what happened. They came back to the community in Jerusalem. And when they heard this, um, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Verse 25. Who by the mouth of thy servant David had said, why do the heathen rage and why do the people imagine vain things? Verse 26. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27. He's just saying, look, why are the people raging? Why are the heathens raging? Why are they against us? For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Next verse, they're just talking about persecution. For to do whatever their hand and their counsel determined before to be done. Next verse. And now, Lord, see, they're pleading. They're pleading together. Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that they may, what, speak thy word. So they needed boldness. They were being persecuted. Next verse. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, that the signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. See, one thing I've learned is the simplest truth you ever hear. When you gather together and ask God for something, he actually does it. <laughs> it it's simple, but it's true. When you gather and you pray and agree on something, God does it. Like, it's a principle. He will do it. I think sometimes we gather together and we, we've lost that consciousness of God will do this thing. He does it. This is the confidence we have. And whatever we ask in his name, he does it. So you're going to do some agreeing together today. Amen. Amen. And he will do it. Look at this. Verse 31. Look at what happened after they prayed for boldness. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Every one of them. And what happened? What they prayed for, right? And they speak the word with boldness. Oh my goodness. Some of you, that's what you need in this time of your life. What happened to them was that their graces were enhanced. Peter and John had been bold before. When they came, they said, guys, we need some more boldness. We need a new level to resist this persecution. So we need our graces enhanced. And what happened? God gave them that. Some of you, you're going to have things enhanced in your life that you never knew. Some dormant gifts will come to life. The, the, the timidity and cowardice that you've buried for so long, God is going to get rid of it and make you as bold as a lion. <laughs> so what do you have to do? And this is where I'm going to end. What do you need to flow in the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26. See, what's going to happen is we're going to pray some more. After we're done with this, we're going to pray, we're going to sing, and then eventually I'm going to call some of you on the spots to do some things as the Lord leads. That should be fun. Uh, <laughs> but you're also going to go in groups, small groups of maybe threes, fours, or fives. And you're going to minister to each other. And once in a while, I'll pop in to be blessed by you guys in your groups. But that's what I want us to do. All right? Don't worry. If this is your very first time doing it, you will love it. First Corinthians 14, 26. Do you know that it's in a meeting like this, that people spoke in tongues. It's in a meeting like this. I can't forget the last Ignite. I was having a serious 
leg pain. Very serious leg pain. And the Ignite Conference is for me too. I hope you know, as much as it's for you. I know what I'm here to receive. And I just said, guys, pray for me. Oh, my leg is paining me. And we gathered, prayed. I am not kidding you. God bears me witness. In that moment, gone. Instantly. Instant. There's a powerful, ah, there's such a sacredness when we gather to pray and agree on something. You cannot get the same results when you just do it by yourself. Because why? The eyes cannot say to the leg, what? I don't need you. Are you with me? It's God's structure and design for the church. Look at this. Can we read this together? I want everyone to read it and scream as loud as you can. One, two, go. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done. Okodomio is the word there, which means to build up. Come and build someone up. Come and strengthen your dear brother and sister. Are you with me? See, <laughs> the simplest things are the most powerful things. Sometimes the Lord can just give you a word of encouragement. Keep doing what you're doing. The Lord sees it. It is well with you. Boom. A word of comfort. Look, anything is possible. But he says when you gather, he's saying everyone has something to offer. Everyone can supply. But then how does the flow of the Spirit happen? Number one, obviously by the Holy Spirit, right? The fact that the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we've all been made to drink of one Spirit. We are bonded by one Spirit. It means we can connect, we can flow in the Spirit. Amen? Yeah. Number two, your availability. Your availability. And, and this just simply means that God is a perfect gentleman. Do you know that if you didn't have free will, that instruction of do not quench the spirit will be impossible or unnecessary. You won't need to quench him. He will just possess you. <laughs> I like that kind of possession, to be fair. But, <laughs> but God wants you to love him out of a pure, free heart. Amen. But literally, your availability, once you say, once you've been res resisting all this while, Lord, I can't do this, I can't prophesy, I can't heal the sick, I can't work miracles, not me, I'm not there yet. Do you know who I am or what I have done? I'll echo the voice of Peter. He says, it's not by our, our own, hey, hey, that was, that was close, that was close, amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, hey, I blame some people. I don't know who they are. Uh, <laughs> it's not by our own godliness <laughs> or, or power that we've gotten this man saved. It's not because you're the most put together person or you've had all the years of experience. It's not about that. Are you available? Can you say, yes, Lord, I want to be used by you. Use me. That's the language God loves surrender yes lord use me number three god wants your desire first corinthians you can read this by yourself first corinthians 12 31 says covet earnestly the best gifts and yes show i unto you a more excellent way first corinthians 14 1 says follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy 
In fact, 1 Timothy 3 says, if a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired a good work. God works with your desire. What do you want? Are you, are you with me? Like, what do you want? Desire the best gift. And by best gift, I believe it means the most, the ones that call to you or speak to you. The ones you want to function in more. Desire them with your heart. Have you desired something before? Some of you have de- desired human beings. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, I des- <laughs> I can't, I can't forget someone told me that one time. He says, I desire you. I said, what is that? <laughs> Just 200 level. <laughs> I said, I, I, I literally opened the Bible. I said, I, I think we should desire other things. You know, like spiritual gifts. <laughs> desire spiritual gifts, guys. That's how it works. It, it's simple. I, I can't make this up. I can't. Desire spiritual gifts and be available. When he says that the Spirit gives and distributes as he wills, you've seen that scripture, 1 Corinthians 12. It's not, you can predict how the Lord will distribute though. I hope you know. If everyone in that meeting says, I don't want to do, no gifts will distribute though. But when someone says, look, I Lord, I want to be the one to give a word of prophecy. I want to heal this person. I want to bring encouragement. Me, me, me. Uh-uh. Is he blind? <laughs> He sees your desire, and so you will easily walk in those gifts. Are you with me? Desire, desire. Say, I, I desire, desire the best gifts. Number four, love for the church. I'm rounding up now. Love for the church. When Jesus gave gifts unto men, Ephesians 4:10 tells us that it was because he loved men. Are you with me? He loved this church, so he gave gifts unto men. So when you have the same heart with which the Lord gave the gift, easily, when you are mindful of your brother, how can I encourage faith today? How can I encourage Yanu? How can I build my brother up? How can I build my sister up? By the way, it's so good to see you, Prophet Elvis, and your lovely wife. Hi. Sorry. I know you you don't like it, but I just wanted to celebrate you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. See, at the end of the day, are you with me? Your love for others will channel the gifts easily. It will. I, I, I'm making it simple, but I feel like I, I want to make it simpler again. But if there's anything you can take out of this, look, some of you, you have not met each other. Let me, how many of you are new for the first time? I'm seeing some new faces. This is your first time attending any conference. Awesome. Don't worry, we have a very beautiful gift at the end of the service. It's warm hugs and all love. That's what it is. (laughs) But the truth is this. There are some people you've never seen here before. Because they are part of the global body of of Christ, the universal church, automatically you have a responsibility to love them. And that's what's beautiful about the faith. You might not have met, I've met people from different tribes and tongues, but they believe in the Lord. You're my brother, oh. These are the people you spend the rest of your life with. Do you know that? The rest of your eternity with. It makes me upset when people, brothers or sisters, say, I can't put up with you. Ha! What are we to rehearse for what to happen? Practice the love now. <laughs> because it can't be separated. Amen. So love, love. And the last thing I'll say is this. Number five. Maintain consistent devotion this is very important this is a very good caveat 
Some people come to ask me, why is it that I'm not seeing enough of the gift in my life? See, there's something that prayer does. As much as God has given you this gift, he wants you to depend on him even for the gift. And it's through prayer. He says, the, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? It avails much. It does, it makes tremendous power available as the Amplified says. How is it that whenever Peter and John were going to heal, when they were going to heal the, the man at the beautiful gate, where were they going? They're going to the temple to pray at the ninth hour, 3, 3 p.m. Are you following me? When they, were, when they cast out that um, girl that was possessed in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, where were they going to? To pray. Your, your, see, your, your devotion must be on point. I'm not saying that to make you now feel, oh, there's, there are levels for me to do bigger things. I need to, sometimes, yes, <laughs> to be fair. To be fair, there are some places where you need to stay long. But I'm telling you, that's how God wants it. When you pray, when your devotion is on point, you will see the gift flow effortlessly. The last thing I'll say about the gifts of the Spirit is that you can grow in them. And the more you practice, the more you grow. Are you with me? You've done it before, it's another time to do it again. You've never done it before, that's the start of a beautiful journey flowing in the Spirit. Amen. But whatever it is, every one of you will flow in the Spirit today. Are you ready? I want to help you do something. I want you to prepare your heart. So I want you to stand up where you are. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray. And this is what you're going to pray. Very simple. You'll say, Lord, I am ready. Use me to supply. I am ready to receive and to supply. I am ready to receive and to supply in abundance. In the name of Jesus, all my needs are met. In the name of Jesus, come on, pray. I want to see your hunger as you pray. I want to perceive your hunger. Come on, pray. I am ready. Hey, I am ready to be used by you. I'm ready to, re to receive and to supply. All my needs are met. I want you to lay your expectations down. The direction I need, the guidance I need from you, I receive it today. As words of prophecy come forth, I receive them and run with them. Today I heal the sick. Today I receive my healing. The healing I've longed for for so long. This is the day. This is my day. Lay your expectations. Come on. For some of you, it's Lord, I want to do more for your kingdom. I want to do more. Enhance my graces. I flow more in the prophetic. I flow more in the teaching gifts. I do better in evangelism. Come on, pray. I'll give you a few seconds. Pray. 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 This is your moment. This is your time. Tell 
pray. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Thank you, Jesus. Tala Palekos. Don't get tired. You can hold the hand of someone beside you and just pray. Pray for a few more seconds. Tell Break a bialobos. Hey, it's my time. It's my time. It's my time. It's my time. Hey, Atalabata. More grace. More grace. More grace. More grace. More grace. Hey, Latakaha. Freedom for my family. Freedom for my family. Freedom for my siblings. Hey, Takalapai. Is there anything impossible for God to do? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He is faithful who has promised. He is faithful who has promised. Shetelekaya. Braktakalatesh. Oh, glory to your name, O God. So praise the name of Jesus. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.